welcome to the CND podcast. I'm Naima Kalachand and I'm the clinical editor. Today I'll be speaking to Dr. Elizabeth Angier. Dr. Angier is a portfolio GP with a specialist interest in allergy. She was a previous chair of the primary care group at the British Society of Allergy and Clinical Immunology and is the current chair of the European Academy of Allergy and Clinical Immunology Working Group in Primary Care. She has vast experience on the subject of improving care and allergy in the community. This is a second podcast in a series of three podcasts that have been developed in partnership with Perry from the makers of Periton. You can find the first podcast on the differential diagnosis between allergy and COVID-19 on our website. In today's podcast, we'll be discussing allergy patient confidence during the COVID-19 pandemic. First of all, I asked Dr. Angier what challenges allergy patients were facing during the COVID-19 pandemic. So the challenges that allergy patients might be facing alongside any other type of patients is the types of conditions is access to services. So it may be that there are patients and other types of ways of accessing the medications might be more difficult to do, that outpatients might be cancelled. But what's good is that you're actually able to access virtual consultations now so you can get advice about your medications and what to put in place. An allergy patient is probably better prepared than most other types of patients, as we mentioned in our first podcast, because they know about how to avoid particularly air allergens. So you could say that they're actually one step ahead, but they're probably going to have some challenges if their symptoms, if they're not well controlled. So if they've got sneezing and if they've got coughing, that might make them more vulnerable in a situation. If they're out in the crowd, people might be looking around, worrying that they might actually have those symptoms for another cause. So I would say that your challenges are to access your medications and to know how to control your symptoms. But as far as having an awareness of infection and transmission, they're probably actually better equipped. Do you think allergy patients are being stigmatised? For example, if they have a cough, are they mistaken for having COVID-19? Yeah, I think there's certainly been some instances where patients have felt that's been the case. And I think society's changed. I think if people are coughing on a coach or just out in a community, whereas that would be something that wasn't particularly noticed before, that's at the forefront of people's minds. And what you'd want to do perhaps is have a little bit of anticipatory medication. So if you're realising that particularly if it's a bad day with your pollen, that you'd be looking at trying to treat that optimally. But as we said in the previous podcast before, really, the whole thing about allergy treatments is getting it right and actually stopping the symptoms getting worse. So that's a little bit of thinking ahead. So if you know that your season starts at a particular time in the year with whatever you're allergic to, you might actually be starting those nasal treatments or oral treatments a couple of weeks before. So people probably now have more awareness of their symptoms on a day-to-day level than they might have done before. They might have just put up with it before. Whereas actually, if they're not noticing that they're coughing and sneezing, other people around them will be and might be questioning them. So in a certain sense, it's almost an immediate real-time feedback of what your symptoms are. If somebody's saying, oh, are you okay? Then you perhaps put up with for some time, you might realise it's causing a problem. If not to yourself, to others, you might have got used to those symptoms. So potentially, yes, people could be worried that there were COVID-type symptoms with allergy ones. And the way to look at that is to how to optimise your treatment. And pharmacists are more than well-placed to show you which medications to use, the timings and the effect of those medications, and and particularly how to use them. Again, we talked about the training in nasal sprays, and uh, most oftentimes if they fail, is is actually that they're putting in the wrong way. And we know that there's various ways you can access training for that. BSACI has got 
a leaflet on and how to give nasal spray. So as a pharmacist, if, you, if somebody comes to you and says, I'm sneezing and coughing and people are turning around, just go over what, what they're taking and how they're taking it. You can probably make a big difference there. Could an underlying allergy make symptoms of COVID-19 worse if patients were to contract the virus? I think that's a difficult question. And what's really interesting is the way that this disease presents, it raises more questions than answers. But as far as we know, you're not more likely to have COVID if you've got an allergy that doesn't put you at a higher risk. What you would do is you would treat your allergy as you would normally. It doesn't make you more at risk of contracting coronavirus. However, if you become ill with coronavirus and you're on specific treatments for allergy, so these allergies might be things like immunotherapy, that would be subcutaneous, then those medications would be caused by your hospital because you don't tend to give immunomodulatory medications while somebody is unwell with coronavirus. So whilst you are well with your allergy, you could continue those medications. But if you are unwell, the advice at this moment in time, to our understanding, is that we would pause those medications. For patients ill with coronavirus, what recommendations have been made with consideration to exposure to the allergen? As I've mentioned in the question before, we'd stop the immunotherapy for those treatments, but those tend to be for things like pollens, which you can generally have a good tolerance to and have treatments with other medications. And again, this is an unknown question about how it could affect, and we're still trying to look at the understanding on it. With something like a food allergy and anaphylaxis, we know that there's cofactors, for instance, within that. So if somebody's tired, if they've not been sleeping, or if they have exercise or increased alcohol, those cofactors can sometimes make anaphylaxis worse. What we don't know is if you had COVID, whether that would make anaphylaxis worse, if you came across and ate the wrong food by mistake. If your COVID had made you more fatigued and you weren't sleeping, you could say that might be a contributory cofactor, but we don't know. The simple question is, continue with your vigilance with whatever it is that you need to avoid And generally, with COVID, most people are at home and not being exposed to the number of other allergies that they might become aware of in the environment. So the question is, we don't know, but certainly COVID can make you feel unwell. If you want to listen to our previous podcast with Dr Angier on the differential diagnosis of COVID-19 and allergy, You can access this for free on our website or you can subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes or your preferred Android app. Now we'll get back to the interview. Are those with uncontrolled asthma at greater risk of COVID-19? COVID is a disease which affects the lungs. We also now are now understanding that it actually affects many other systems as well, like you can get neurological signs and there's cardiac problems as well. But asthma affects the lungs as well. So what you want to do is you really want to get your asthma optimally controlled. Particularly severe asthma is on the list of patients that are considered to be vulnerable with COVID. And we're still trying to understand how that happens. So the actual understanding of why somebody might be vulnerable is becoming much more nuanced. So recently, NHS England has released an algorithm to tell you how you come to that conclusion. But most people with just mild asthma, there shouldn't be a significant problem. 
it's the ones with severe asthma that may run into problems. But actually, again, this understanding is changing. What we might be looking at is an individual risk assessment. So, for instance, if I just had asthma and I'm a 20-year-old who's well for other reasons, there's no, there's no other problems, that puts me in a totally different category to somebody who's 65, who's got coexisting diabetes and hypertension. So it's something about having an individualised risk assessment for each patient who then has asthma and then how we treat it. But certainly uncontrolled asthma is not something that anybody would want at any time. And in a pandemic with another disease that we're still understanding, you would want to control it. What advice should we be giving to patients to keep their asthma under control? I think it's the same advice that you would give normally. So we know that asthma responds to regular medication and that you should be reviewing your asthma. There's a lot of good resources on Asthma UK. It may be that people have become anxious about particular medications, that they're worried that that medication might affect them with the coronavirus. There's been lots of different things on the internet about that. But I think we can rest assured that there aren't problems with asthma medications and that you should continue your asthma medications as you would normally. Again, a lot of resources on Asthma UK about this, which you can direct patients towards. But what you should be doing is having your asthma management plan, looking at the medications and having them available, ordering them as you would normally, checking your peak flows and having good self-management. So asthma really is about self-management and allergies, if you happen to have that as well, is about looking at prevention and what tasks you might be doing when you might come across that allergy. So I think with the coronavirus, what you'd actually want to be doing is saying, is my asthma at its most optimal control? And for that to happen, actually, do I understand my symptoms? Do I understand my medication? Are there any changes that I might want to make? What advice should we be giving to patients with asthma who smoke? Yeah, that's probably one of the changes that people would want to make. They've certainly been doing some surveys recently about smokers with asthma or other comorbidities and would this be a time where they might think about quitting smoking. And actually, a number of people have said that they would consider that. So I think that's a really good opportunist question that you might want to do. If an asthmatic patient comes into your pharmacy, ask them whether they're smoking and ask them whether they've considered stopping because we know that smoking and asthma can make asthma more difficult to control and cause problems. So people are now thinking and stepping back as they are with uh, people who may be overweight. So actually, what can I do to make myself in the best condition possible if I happen to be unlucky to get this virus? And stopping smoking is a big one. And how should we be advising patients on the flu vaccine? Well, the flu vaccine is something that asthmatics would be used to having. So if you think about it, There isn't a vaccine for the coronavirus, but there is a vaccine for flu. So if you can protect yourself against the flu, this is the time to do it. If this year there's information coming out, and again, this might change, but to say that actually the flu campaign will be expanded. But the normal people that are eligible for flu vaccine, and again, that information is on the government website and in the Green Book, should be getting it. As a community pharmacist, you're part of that great workforce and armory of people that could be delivering that flu vaccine. We're not quite sure how it's going to be coordinated with the different categories that may be added on this year. But certainly, it's something that you want to be questioning people about, have you had your flu vaccine? 
and looking at who's given. And, and certainly hospitals are looking too about trying to give it for the patients at risk who are coming in for outpatients and for inpatients. And we've also got to look at nursing homes and nursing home staff. And my understanding is that in recent weeks and that community pharmacists may be involved with that as well. And I think it's about coordination with your general practice, checking that people don't get two doses by mistake, that these things are given with the appropriate level of cover. But yeah, it's a great time because what we don't understand yet, and again, there's information coming through, is, is, is it possible, for instance, to get coronavirus and flu at the same time? Theoretically, it probably is. But there isn't a lot of information there that we understand about it in the research terms. And people haven't really had the ability and capacity to be able to test for both if somebody comes with symptoms. There are some differentiating symptoms, but there might be quite similar symptoms early on. Our understanding of these viruses and how they interact is still coming into play. We know as a bit of a no-brainer that actually we've got a flu vaccine, so let's have that so that will protect us because we know that flu can make asthmatic people quite ill. Now, thinking a bit about the medicines used for allergy, such as oral steroids or biologics used in asthma treatment, are patients worried that these can increase their risk of contracting COVID-19? I think patients have been worried and have raised the questions, but as far as we understand, and this is a moving feast of our understanding, that there aren't problems with antihistamines, inhalers, antileukotrains, and the more medications that you would use. So we would advise that you continue those medications as you would normally. The caveat is, is that if somebody becomes a well, if you're on, for instance, a biological, that that would be paused and your immunotherapy would be paused if you were having that for an allergic condition. But to our understanding at this moment in time, we don't think that there is a problem. With oral steroids, again, the treatment of your asthma, that is something that you should be continuing. So that's not something that we would say that you should not take. If you get coronavirus on top of that then that would be a discussion and people would be discussing that with you so you would take all your normal asthma medications as you would normally if you subsequently get coronavirus then you'll be getting advice from the specialists as to what to do with that. Over the last few months we have seen increasing numbers of patients who don't use their inhalers regularly requesting repeat prescriptions and we have seen a big increase in inhaler prescriptions. What advice would you give to pharmacists on this? I think it depends on the reason why they're requesting the inhaler prescriptions and I think it's quite normal actually for people to get a bit worried and think maybe I need to stock up it might actually be difficult these might run out I think that's human nature isn't it to say okay I'm gonna I'm gonna get down there and and have it but what you don't want is people over ordering because then that does affect the supply chain what we don't understand is whether for instance inhaled corticosteroids might actually help with coronavirus we don't understand that yet we don't know whether that's something So I think there's going to be some pilot research trials coming out with people who don't have asthma that are started on inhaled corticosteroids with coronavirus to see whether that helps or not. (laughs) So so that's, that's a question that's out there that people don't know about. But I think it's human nature for people to say they have a medication to order more if a pandemic comes. And I think it's our responsibility as healthcare professionals to ask them what the symptoms are, as you would in anybody with asthma or anybody who's taking any type of medications to why are you taking it? What are your symptoms? What do you think this will help? And ASMA UK has got lots of information on that. I'm sure as a pharmacist, you'd be doing your checks. So I don't think it's something that people should be over-ordering in. I think it's a natural reflex of people worrying about whether they're going to run out. But you do have to consider the supply chain. 
are those patients with allergy considered as vulnerable? Not really. Not as far as we know. So they're not, we're not considered at risk of getting coronavirus. And I don't think there's any evidence to say that that person would be worse off if you have a coronavirus, if you have, for instance, rhinitis. We do know that rhinitis, poorly controlled, can affect asthma control. And if asthma is poorly controlled, then that might not put you in a best position. But allergy per se, we don't think is a risk for getting coronavirus or having significant problems. We do have currently listed in the vulnerable patients to severe asthma. And again, as I've said before, it's probably going to be more now of a nuanced individual risk assessment. So if your asthma happens to be allergic asthma and it's poorly controlled and it's very severe, then that's a category where you'd be looking at very good control. I also wanted to ask you about the shielded patient list, as I know this has caused some confusion. Yeah, the shielded patient list is a moving feast and we'll see that that changes and we're getting regular updates on the government website about that. Currently, shielding is paused and that's because of the rate of transmission of the virus has fallen significantly. That might change. And some of the conditions that were on the shielded list are now being reviewed, particularly with children, because they're not thought to be particularly unwell with coronavirus. Some of those children are being individually reviewed by specialists to be removed. And I think also... We've got what we call vulnerable patients and extremely clinical vulnerable patients. There's lists of those on the websites. The extremely vulnerable, maybe patients with things like organ transplants or lung cancer, receiving types of treatments for that. And they will be aware of their conditions and their specialist units will be as well. Some of the confusions about shielded patients was that, for instance, with a condition like asthma, and I know that uh, on your own website, Tony Hazel's done a, an article about this, as that all asthma patients were worried that they might need to shield. And actually, it's it's just a a small category of them with specific conditions around the medications and disease severity, which we're still understanding about. So again, the list will be updated. So I think if you were on the shielded list, you're getting information now about whether you need to be on it, whether you're off it now, and when you'll need to shield. But what we're trying to understand is actually what this means on an individual patient level, and that might be disease severity, medical history, treatment levels that you're on, and the all your other comorbidities. So I think it's a list that was created to protect people. In some senses, it's caused some fear because people weren't sure whether they're on it or whether they're off it. And I think as we move forward with our understanding of this disease, with the individualised risk assessment, it'll be much more meaningful on that one-to-one patient-centred conversation as to this is what it means to you, what risks do you think you want to take or would be advisable? How might this affect me on a day-to-day living? Whereas actually to start off with, for the best of reasons and intentions, there was rather a blanket coverage and people felt quite restricted. And we've got to tread the line between safety and our understanding. And I think that's a difficult line to tread and very difficult for anybody to try and implement. That was Dr. Elizabeth Angier allergy expert discussing allergy patient confidence during the COVID-19 pandemic. Dr. Angier discussed the importance of those with asthma in sharing their symptoms or control and gave us advice on how pharmacists can advise patients on reducing their risk of infection, such as smoking cessation and advising them to get the flu vaccination. Dr. Angier stressed the importance of allergy patients continuing to take their medications to ensure optimal control of their symptoms. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to CND Podcasts on iTunes or your preferred Android app. Thank you for listening.